Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second ever episode of the Search for Tomorrow podcast, where I briefly interview uh, up and coming Canadian magic players who you may not have heard of, be it uh, the strange pandemic that led to not a lot of in paper play. So you don't get to like see these people weekly crush the events in paper, sort of more quietly on moto or uh, arena. And uh, today's guest is a uh, Johnny or Ginky is their handle on, I believe, uh, Arena at the very least, and Twitter. I think you have a different moto name, if I recall. And uh, it's good to get have you, and uh, I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. So one thing I like to start with with the podcast is sort of like the, the classic elevator pitch of uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. It doesn't have to be entirely magic-related. Just want to get like kind of a concept to everyone on who you are. Yeah, so I'm Johnny or Ginky uh, everywhere on the internet, I guess, or the study group on Moto. If anyone recognizes me from there, but I'm uh, recently 20. I'm from Toronto. I'm currently studying business uh, at Laurier. I recently came fourth at the the Neon Dynasty Set Championship. I'm a huge uh, diehard Toronto sports fan. Got repping the the Leafs sweater tonight as the, as the Canadian podcast. But yeah, that's that's about it for me. Okay, so you, you already touched upon sort of what we would consider to be your big break. But before we touch on that, I kind of want to hear about like sort of your success before that. Because I think even before the, the top four of the Mythic Championship or whatever they were called, you were uh, like you were qualifying for a few pro tours. Is that not true? Yeah. So it started. My first qualification was for the Mythic Invitational, which was kind of the event that bore the biggest brunt of the whole two point one million dollars scandal with Watsi, um, which was back in that was in September of twenty twenty. That event, and then I played. I played before this PT. I played. The Zendikar one, which I did pretty well in, so I qualified to the Kaldeheim one, and then I bombed out of that and missed the next couple of PTs and then managed to get back on with, with Neon Dynasty. So, like, it sounds like you were, like, a, an on-again, off-again Pro Tour competitor, which, like, even playing every other PT is impressive. And especially because, like, you were, you'd consider yourself, like, relatively unknown in the GTA, would you not? Yeah, I, all of my competitive magic experience pretty much has been online. So I don't think I have any real kind of connection to the kind of Canadian magic community, like the testing team I play on for the PTs. I'm the only Canadian. So I think for, you know, just the, the nature of kind of getting into magic competitively once the pandemic hit is I have no real kind of Canadian-ness to my magic story. Okay, so do you have any, like, did you ever, like, play your LGS and stuff like that? I played maybe a couple face-to-face -face 1Ks. I own, the only deck I own is Infect in Modern, which I bought in middle school when I started playing Magic, and then I quit for a bunch of years, and I looked, and it was like, oh, I could make this deck somewhat functional by replacing, like, Gitaxian Probe, because that was changed to no longer being legal. I guess the deck is no longer legal, because it has Once Upon a Time, so I have to fix that again, but... So I've played, like, a couple of those, and I've played some pre-releases, but 
very limited kind of connection to that. Okay. Well, what kind of got you to start into competitive magic? Did you play other games competitively? Have you always just been one of those people who like strives really hard at the their hobbies? So yeah, I've been a kind of competitive nerd, card nerd for for a long time. So when I was a little kid, I had like Pokemon cards like everybody. And my dad found out that the Pokemon cards had like a game that came with them that involved me learning how to get better at math and reading. So he's like, oh, if I'm going to spend money on these Pokemon cards, I might as well make my son learn to do some math and get better at reading. So me and my dad would play Pokemon together. And then I found out there were some Pokemon tournaments. And since then, I was probably 10, I've been hooked. So I played like the Pokemon World Championships when I was 11. I was the Ontario Provincial Champion and came third in the Canadian Championships. And then I kind of moved to Hearthstone. I played competitive Hearthstone for three or four years before switching to Magic. Okay, so it sounds like you've always just been pretty successful when it comes to, to card games then. Yes, sort of. Hearthstone I played a lot of and I took it quite seriously, but I was always kind of on the fringes of making it for the Hearthstone equivalent of the PTs. I was always like, oh, like I was one ladder finish off or a few points from a tournament off qualifying to the PT. And after a couple of those breaks, I decided I should just, I just didn't like where the competitive system was heading and, and had to call it there and move on. Okay, uh, let's get to what would probably be your favorite part is talking about like the big breakthrough at uh, the Pro Tour or what, what were they called? Set championships. Set championships. I just it. call okay. them the PT, and people people get mad. It's the such is life. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about that. So you you finished in the top four, which also qualifies you for Worlds. Uh, why don't you talk to me a bit about that tournament and like what it meant to you? Yeah, so I'm consider myself to be possibly the luckiest Magic player on the planet, as it terms to just like falling upwards into incredible teams. Um, and I, I owe most of my success in the tournament to just having a really, really good team of people helping f me figure out stuff. And hopefully I provide some value to them, but that was kind of just still feels a little surreal to me to have like top forward. I had like, you know, the idea of it was always possible i had 10 five my first pt so it's kind of you know one win plus some breakers or two wins away and it was very up and down tournament where i started hot in day one i started four and oh and then i ended day one with a couple of losses and i wasn't you know feeling super great and kind of mad at myself and then day two i had an exam in the morning before the the event so i had to wake up go write my exam and then sprint home for my exam so i could make it to the start of day two and then was doing really good, made possibly the worst play of my entire life against Shota through the match kind of in my head was like, I'm done. There's no way I can win another match. I'm the worst magic player ever. Luckily, some people, my team, Simon Nielsen, particularly, he started a discord channel called therapy for Ginky. And he hopped in there and kind of helped me calm down and him and some other people helped me kind of refocus. And I managed to rattle off two wins and to make top eight and then obviously having to go like i lost my first match in top eight so then having like that back against the wall match for worlds was a whole lot of pressure maybe too much pressure for me but getting there was unreal yeah so 
because you're exclusively on Magic Online, do you feel like sort of a disconnect to like what would typically be like the Canadian Magic scene? I think so. Like I have, uh, I I just realized I totally missed it. Dom Harvey is on my testing team for the PT, so he's Canadian. I just think of him as British because of how he sounds. Apologies there. Um, but yeah, I do feel a little bit of a disconnect because like my connection to other Canadian Magic players, such as you or uh jack potter or shadows is kind of just the fact that it's like it's online and i talk to them and they are canadian but my connection to them has nothing to do with the fact that they're local to me and canadian it's just like these are people i talk to and play magic with and they just happen to be from the same location as me yeah uh it's a good point like for example house or jack potter you and me we've talked a few times before and like you're right like it's canadian by name but we don't live close to each other no offense to either of you and i'm sure likewise you're not coming to see me i'm not going over to see you anytime soon it's just like more likely that we would bump into each other at tournaments or something like that so do you see so this qualifies you for uh worlds does it qualify you for the next uh, paper pro tour or no yeah so i'm qualified for the next online pro tour and at bare minimum, the first paper pro tour as well. Okay. And uh, are you still allowed to play in regional championships? Uh, yeah. So I'm qualified to all three of the regional championships. And then the weird thing is since Canada has the two qualifier system, my auto qualifications, to the regional championships only extends to one per cycle. So I'm technically allowed to play in the, the regional championship qualifiers, which is probably a good thing that I'll, I'll try to do just to get some paper reps because I have effectively zero experience there. Yeah, that's something that uh, a lot of people don't consider is like the game is like very different in paper, honestly. And like people always try and talk up like the ability to read the opponent is something that's that important. And like they probably overstate it, but it shouldn't be understated at the same time. Like you can definitely get reads off of your opponent's body language. You can, if you feel like putting the effort into it, you can like track cards drawn and stuff like that. And I think uh, definitely getting some paper reps is going to be pretty important for that. Are you nervous or worried about like big paper tournaments compared to online? Yeah, I, I kind of am. I'm pretty sure that I would be the easiest person in the planet to cheat against. Probably not a good thing to, to broadcast publicly, but just because I have so few reps, so much of my gameplay is focused on making sure I'm doing the correct things. And I, it, when that's not like a background automatic mechanic for me, I kind of realized when I played uh, one local event in Toronto somewhat recently and the SCG that I never once like was ever monitoring my opponent doing anything. So hopefully they weren't. So I'm a little worried that I could kind of just do that. But also my brain just turns off a little bit when I'm playing in paper, which is another concern of mine. So I kind of need to get to the point where it's just automatic so I can focus on playing magic and not whether I'm missing my triggers. Okay. Do you think like uh, the reason your brain turns off is like you've already made your play and decided and you're just kind of waiting for the next thing to think about? I, I really have no idea why it is, but I had the primary like example of this was like I cast Mishra's Bauble, I sacrificed it, looked at my opponent's library, saw the top card, Teferi Time Raveler, a card that I obviously know the text of and have seen a bajillion times. And for some reason, I stared at it for about 25 seconds before letting them put it down. And it just kind of like 
not exactly sure what happened there, but that wasn't so that is not saying that would happen online. So I gotta kind of figure out what's going on there. Do you find uh, for you personally that it's like easier or harder to make the tough decisions in paper or online? I guess potentially for you, it'd be harder in paper because you're trying to manage more things at the same time when online you can sort of focus. And also time really slips away from you in paper events because there's so many more things happening. You actually just have a significant less amount of time to play your magic games due to shuffling, sideboarding, and anything like that. And also people just take more time for like some, uh, not important turns in paper. So do you think, do you have like time concerns and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I am generally a very fast player. I, I've never timed out in a game of online magic in my entire life. So I, I try to think that I wouldn't have issues with time and paper, but it, it almost feels like it's this external pressure to make your decisions fast. Because in, when it's online, the only person who's facing the consequences of me playing slow is me. But when I'm doing it in person, now it's this weird social contract that you're engaged in. And I'm the idea of having to make sure that I'm playing fast, but also make sure my opponent's playing fast, but also not putting too much pressure on people to play at an unreasonable pace. It's just like just more things to add to the calculation of playing Magic. Yeah, it's, it's funny just because most people start in paper and when like, maybe your area is not very competitive. So you go online to like amp up the competitiveness, but it seems like you're, we're already very competitive and then are kind of, kind of just going to paper to, to supplement your online stuff, the stuff that you're qualifying for. It's a, a definitely a different path, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely, I think probably something that's becoming more common. Just there's so many people are starting to play magic. The game's so big during, and, just a lot of people are starting to play magic during the pandemic. It's the perfect thing to kill, you know, a couple of years or whatever of your time. So it definitely is something that's in the past was very, very strange because online magic was so much of just like the background, like Moto was just like a way to test for your paper events. But I think it's going to be probably more common to have people in, in my situation now. Yeah, it's just, it's basically one of the reasons I decided to start this podcast is you you were one of the inspirations, 100%, just like the thought to me that we have like one of the, you should be a renowned Magic player in Canada, took top fouring that event and qualifying for Worlds is like a massive accomplishment. And a lot of people aren't going to know who you are, unfortunately. And it just seems so silly because I can remember like almost every Canadian that's top eight at a paper pro tour in the last 10 years. And I feel like because of like some people had some disinterest in the online stuff. And there's also this disconnect in like the Canadians have never met you or like most of them. So you're just stuck in this weird spot. And like I said, the inspiration for the cast is kind of like get people's name out there who I think are great or other people think are great. And uh, maybe people should know about. So I'm pretty excited that you're qualified for the first paper pro tour. And hopefully some people will listen to this and kind of learn a bit more about you as well. Uh, do you have any like paper tournaments that you're uh, thinking about attending anytime and soon? Uh, yeah, I think uh, just today uh, house and DM shadows and I about playing in some team face-to-face one K in the middle of May. So I think I'll try to, get out to that if I can figure out how to acquire a legacy deck, which seems potentially doable 
and if i you know the weekend works out for all of us because for me it's super easy i hop on the subway and i'm there in 20 minutes but for them they kind of have to make a bit more of a trek so if it works out for all of us and we'll go play it seems like a lot of fun yeah that's one uh, disadvantage you have is like it sounds silly but if i ever needed a deck for a tournament i feel like i could just post on twitter and thankfully by the good graces of people liking me and knowing people throughout the years i think i would have a legacy deck handed to me but then at the same time a lot of people just don't don't know who you are so like the acquiring cards you might just have to like get someone else to vouch for you to lend the whole deck or something like that so what's your plan for that um there's there's a few possible avenues might go through that i know dom owns uh something in legacy so i might try to borrow that from him or if not i'll have to go through the routes of twitter when i played in some local modern event at harry t a while ago i just fired off a random tweet and some guy who i had like played in played in a ptq a few an online ptq like three months prior who ended up following each other on twitter from the event ended up uh brunei uh sent ended up sending me a, a deck for the event which is super sweet of him um i ended up tanking the event because i played horribly but it was <laughs> thankfully the the twitter sphere was was kind there so maybe it'll be kind again yeah twitter mutuals are kind of goaded there's a lot of people who you're like do you know this person like you're lending a thousand dollars of cards to it's like not really we're mutuals on twitter like if they ever stole it they would they would feel the wrath of the cloud yeah, it's, it's it's a crazy concept how willing people are to loan out legacy decks. I'm very, I'd be, I just want to never own magic cards in my life. That seems like a, a nightmare, a hassle. I don't trust myself with anything. So it seems, seems very scary. The people who are like Rodney is like, has like 20 decks on him. He's loaning out a hundred decks a tournament. I can't imagine the, the struggle there. Yeah, we can, we can give a mini shout out to uh, Rodney Bedell. I I don't know them personally, but we're Twitter mutuals and uh, they're in uh, the discord that we're a big part of. I think he's just like such an amazing part of the community. I, like he's, he's American. So we were not allowed to talk about him around here, but he he's amazing. And I, I hope he's, I hope he's well. All right. So the next thing I wanted to ask you is, um, so you are planning on playing in these uh, regional qualifying tournaments. If you qualified a second time, would you fly to Calgary's face-to-face uh, -face, uh, tour? Uh, for me, for the first like regional cycle, no shot, just because I'm already qualified for the Pro Tour. So the EV of the events is super low for me. It's like, obvious, I think it's, uh, you can spike worlds for coming top one. But I just think because the there's no like PT EV, it's very, it's pretty hard to justify traveling going to the Toronto one a lot more within my wheelhouse. It's about, I take a, an hour and a half train or bus ride to get home. And then I stay at home for the weekend. So very easy for me, but for the next cycle, if I'm not qualified for the pro tour, I might see myself going to Vancouver, but yeah, who knows? Hopefully I'm qualified. Yeah. So you, so you are qualified for the first paper pro tour and are you auto qualified for the regional as well? Just one invite, you said? Yeah, so I'm qualified to one regional event per cycle. So okay. at bare minimum, the the Eastern one, which are all super easy for me to get to. Okay, so, but you are going to play in some of the qualifying events, probably just kind of get the competitive itch, maybe get some paper reps in, you were saying? 
yeah, I think it's prob- probably a good idea to just play, whether it's qualifying events or random 1Ks or FNMs even, just something that gets me more used to, to having the physical cards in my hand so I don't get absolutely ranched at the PT. And if you win and qualify a second time, you still wouldn't go to Calgary? I'm going to be honest, I haven't heard. It's, Calgary doesn't seem like that great of a place to justify the trek, but, you know, maybe, maybe. maybe. I really don't like the Flames, which is my issue, so I probably probably wouldn't want to go there. But what if the Flames were playing the Leafs and you could go watch? You never know. You're, you're, making, a, you're making a tough sell for me here. I might, I might, have, to, might have to make the trip out. But I once Vancouver's to, more likely. I once went to a Grand Prix in New Jersey, which uh, it's not actually New Jersey. It's right next to New Jersey, I think, the GP technically. And uh, the Toronto Raptors were playing in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks on the Saturday. And uh, me and uh, Canadian Final Neb went to the, the Raptors game at Madison Square Garden. This this is this is this is conjuring kind of a, a set of situations that would make me potentially end up going to Calgary, and I'm sure the the tickets to watch a game there are a heck of a lot cheaper than in Toronto. So it honestly, might be cheaper to go to Calgary, watch the game there, and come back than it is to just watch the game in Toronto. True, and and you do get like I think it's a Teferi for showing or a Nykthos, one of them. I don't remember which one. You get a Teferi, a five minute Teferi. That card's worth a little bit. Just gotta, just gotta spike the event, you know. Just prizes are in U.S. dollars. That's like two Canadian dollars. It's awesome. Okay, I, I do want to take a, a second to shout out our sponsor, Face to Face Games I think they're obviously like the the biggest name in Canadian Magic, and now they're the face of competitive Canadian Magic, having uh, being the the one running all the regional events, they're in charge of everything. And if you have a local game store who wants to run one of these events, or you want your game store to run one of these events, send them to the website at face to face and get them to sign up. It's uh, not that expensive and you get to have some competitive magic entered into your scene. I think it's a, it's a great way to kind of gear up your scene. I know I've done it for some stores in my area. Who I definitely want to keep running some competitive tournaments, and I think it's kind of amped up a lot of the the hype in my area, and I think it could in your area too potentially. So, is there uh, any one you want to shout out, to, Johnny? Um, who do I want to shout out? That's a tough one. Uh, I'd like to just you know thank all the people on my team. There's there's a lot of them, so I'm sure they they all know who they are, but. It was very much a kind of my result in even in just other tournaments and just getting better at magic as a whole to qualify for the PTs and whatever has all just been kind of a function of using them as the best resource. It's kind of the always the goal to be the dumbest person in the room. And I think thankfully that in pretty much every testing scenario I've been in, I've been almost the the dumbest or the dumbest person in the room and i think it's greatly helped me get better at magic so that's pretty pretty sweet all right that's uh that's good to know um i appreciate you taking the time for the podcast and i, I just hope that when uh people see your name johnny or ginky if it's on the next arena championship they uh they'll remember that maybe they should know your name and i think uh I think you're going to do some great things and I can't wait to see you play at Worlds and I appreciate your time. 
yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It was an awesome experience. I'm excited to become, you know, very much more than just a Canadian, you know, magic player, but actually kind of a Canadian magic player in the more team oriented kind of national pride sense. All right. And uh, what's your Twitter handle if anyone wants to give you a follow? Yeah, um, Twitter and Twitch. It's Ginky underscore MTG. I haven't really streamed in a while, but perhaps I'll, I'll I'll do some streaming probably after this Arena PT before I go off into the wilderness for the summer. So yeah, you can give me a follow there if you would like. Okay, uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, let's keep searching for the next great Canadian Magic player. Thank you. Thank you.